Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, he'd have always got the good oil, but you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Yeah, welcome to Monday's Experts on this 29th of January 2024. Big thanks to Mick Gearin as well with On The Pace. Now, Monday's Experts, as we know, is an opportunity for us to find out the story behind the name. And we've spoken to many people on Monday's Experts about their career and life in racing. Thought this week with the bigger Cup Carnival coming up on the 3rd and 4th of Feb at the Sapphire Coast, we take a different approach and we chat to someone who we've heard regularly before, on Sky Sports Radio, and that, of course, is Rob Tweedy. He yeah, runs the show down there at the Sapphire Coast Turf Club, and we wanted to I wanted to find out a little bit about what Rob has to do to get this meeting up and running, the planning of it, and also, too, the many hats he's worn in racing. It'd be very interesting, I think, and he joins us now on the line. G'day, Rob. Hi, Dave. How are you? Very good, mate. Welcome to Monday's Experts. Uh, when was the last time you did an interview like this? Well, I've never been accused of being an expert. That's probably... One thing, so so never. <laughs> well, let's get let's get into it. I want to before we talk about uh, the planning and preparation of a race meeting at the Sapphire Coast Turf Club. I want to talk about yourself. Where did you grow up? Uh, born at Auburn in Sydney. So, um, Dad used to take me to the races out at Rose Hill most meetings, and started doing that when he was when I was in the pram. So, been around racing or followed racing my whole life. And your first memory of going to Rose Hill, have you got a particular memory as a youngster? Oh, not any particular mem- memory other than just as being a young bloke, just loving the colours and the atmosphere. And the, it's, I sort of got hooked at a fairly young age. Uh, Dad was a mad punter. We didn't, um, he used to say if, we, if he had a win on the horse, we'd go out for Chinese and we didn't go out very often. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, so what lured you to to racing uh was it just that association with the old man or was it something that was always in the background obviously you were you you're going through school keeping it on it as you were you know trying to do your grades etc yeah 100 percent melbourne cup calcutters and and following the racing from a, a young age and um even as a, a real young bloke just still at school you know happy to to go down and buy the buy the newspaper I'd pull the form guide out and throw the rest in the bin and just had a sort of passion for it from a really young age. And, yeah, it just sort of evolved over time and, and led me into the, to an industry that I'm passionate about and employed in, which has been fantastic. You certainly are passionate about it, and I think that's great to know that that's where that passion is born from. So you're growing up in Auburn, you're going through school. I'm tipping that Ray, was racing one of your first jobs or did you go into a different career before you got to the one you're at now? No, look, I started off, I left school when I was 15, went straight into a a motor mechanics apprenticeship. We moved from Sydney up to um, the central coast around the Wyong area and I went straight into an apprentice motor mechanics job at 15, finished that when I was 19. Um, Still obviously attending the races at Wyong, most meetings. And, um, yeah, then, uh, yeah, look, quite an extensive history and varied employment. We won't all the listeners, but I um, started doing a bit of concreting and landscaping after I finished my apprenticeship as a mechanic. Uh, went on to buy a commercial fishing vessel and work out of Swansea. And then, um, yeah, that led me on to working on abalone boats and coming down to the south coast and 
Wow. So, before we jump into racing, because that is interesting, just from generally chatting with someone, how does someone go from doing some concrete and landscaping to buying a commercial fishing boat? Well, look, I've always been a keen surfer and a keen fisherman from a young bloke, so my passions were sort of racing, surfing and fishing. Three good uh, passions to have, Rob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. And um, obviously it was a sad day if I... If there was no waves and the weather was a bit rough, I'd be at, at the pub watching the races. So I sort of can't complain about the the lifestyle I've had growing up, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and then that led me into um, buying a couple of shares and a couple of horses when we moved down south many years ago, down around the Batemans Bay area and getting involved with a, a couple of trainers and hanging around the stables so at Batemans Bay there of old Kevin Connell, who's passed away now, and... Bernie Connell, uh, who still trains there, and yeah, spent a lot of time at the track with Bernie. I'd get up early every morning and and go fishing, and then come in the afternoon and help him out with the horses. And we bought a couple of tried horses, and I I found um, a couple of the fellas I I dealt with buying tried horses. I, I um, wasn't that happy with, and I thought, geez, there could be an avenue to do something here. So I started up a, a bloodstock business called Gallopers Australia Wide Bloodstock. And um, trained myself to build websites because I thought it'd just be handy to have um, the horses on the on the web when it first came out rather than sending via a fax because I was working on my fishing boat in the day and faxing out tried horses all night to Mount Isa and Darwin and different spots. And anyway, I built a bit of a website and a database and um, that kicked off. The last year I operated that, I sold 78 horses in the year. Wow. A lot of them went on to win some great races, uh, sold some horses up in Darwin, um, sold a horse called Old Swampy, won seven in a row, um, loved the dirt, he was by Swamp King, the American Stallion, and yeah, had a really good rapport with um, with people up north that bought trade horses off me, and while I was doing that, I was going to the Kembla Grange races quite often and other country meetings and trying to source horses to sell that weren't good enough for the city down here, give them another chance up up north and um, met a young jockey called Scotty Pollard who had just kicked off his riding career with Kevin Robinson and he said, oh, Rob, I see you about the races all the time. If you ever talk to any trainers and they need a need a rider, I'm just kicking off. I'd, he'd only had about six or eight rides at the time and he said, um, maybe you could be my jockey manager, you know, and I said, well, that'd be all right at a time with the business and, um, and at that stage the nominations were coming out at about two o'clock in the afternoon, so... I thought, well, I'll go to work on the Abalone boats early every morning down here. We'll we'll work that. We'll get back in at about 1 o'clock. I'll print the nominations out and I'll start ringing for rides and run the bloodstock business at the same time. So I was quite busy, but um, the passion of racing evolved then. I ended up uh, taking on a few more riders. Got Scotty a lot of rides. He ran second in the Sydney Apprentices title and I... I managed him for 15 years till I started the job here 11 years ago. So and I ended up managing Larry Cassidy when he won the uh, Brisbane Premiership and a lot of other blokes on the way, B. Pengelly and uh, the late Gary Palmer when he was down riding Palladium Star in Sydney for Guy, the late Guy Walter. So, yeah, it sort of just evolved into um, a passion of having a punt on a Saturday into a... Um, into, a, I suppose, a profession and a living and a lifetime of racing. And, and yeah, saw the job advertised here at the Sapphire Coast. Just thought I'll put in a resume. I'm, I'm no hope. My administration skills were 
probably not sensational, but I was passionate and loved my racing, and I've learnt and evolved along the way, and um, I think I've done fairly well for, for the club here, and I, I I love the job. I love getting up and going to work every day. I tell you what, gee, we've covered some ground there, Rob. We're chatting with Rob Tweedy uh, this morning from the Sapphire Coast Turf Club. Now, now, Rob, okay, so. Uh, we'll sort of just jump back a bit here and we'll dissect a few of the things you just said. So obviously, Central Coast, uh, heading down to the South Coast uh, on the um, Abalone uh, fishing boats. So you're working in the the commercial uh, fishing space. So your your time was obviously, you've always, it seems like from what I can gather, you've always had uh, the racing job. But that just wasn't the sole job. Like, even when you were managing the jockeys, you always had another job. So effectively, you know, working two, three jobs. Yeah, that's correct. Always worked a couple of jobs. I mean, at the time when I was working on the Abalone boats, like I said, we we get back in at lunchtime, you know, 11, 12 o'clock in the day. And um, and then I could go straight and wait for the nominations to come out, which wasn't until one or two. But um, so you could do the two jobs quite comfortably. And, and things have changed, obviously, I think when I first started, there was only two or three managers around. I think Shane Dye had a manager, and um, he was probably one of the first ones to get a, a bloke doing the DVDs and, and looking for rides for him. And then a few other blokes came along. Uh, Brad Glendenning, who's up in Brisbane now, he's um, he's a long-term manager that's stayed the distance. Yeah, there was only a couple when I started. But as things evolved and changed, obviously work changed as well for me with... Um, the nomination's starting to come out earlier, so that's when I went full-time managing with five riders and ended up having to give away the Abalone boats. Um, just became a lot more professional and a lot more time-consuming. And again, when the job came on here, I think I'd built up a, a very good reputation with the, the stewards in Racing New South Wales, and they let me actually hold Larry Cassidy's uh, management licence because he was riding in Queensland when I first started at the club. Um and then the club sort of evolved. We've got a lot more sponsors, a lot more race meetings. And, and after 12 months, Larry and I parted ways and I just concentrated full-time on the on the club because I believe if you do something, you want to give 110%. And, and I probably couldn't offer that to Larry at the time, so he moved on to another another agent. And, um, yeah, things evolved here where I, I basically work... I work a nine-day fortnight here, but at this time of year, it's a... It's a, it's a 14-day fortnight because you're getting ready for your, your big meetings like the Bega Cup, which um, we initiated about five or six years ago, and it's just building each year and going really well, so really happy with it. What about some of the big wins you had uh, being the, the manager? Yeah, look, uh, Larry won the Queensland Derby Group 1, so that was, that was a, a, a great thrill. Um, a lot of times only managed country riders, um, in the early days, like Scotty Pollard running second in the Sydney Premiership was obviously fantastic. And um, other blokes along the way, like Brad Pengelly, I still believe Brad was one of the best riders, you know, up up there with anyone in the country. Probably just didn't get the opportunities that he warranted. Moved on to Queensland and, and rode up there and then finished his... He's retired now, but he finished his time up in Queensland. But probably one of the best set of hands I've seen in the game. And I, I can still remember, it's etched in my memory, that... Um, I've got, Larry, uh, got uh, Brad Pengelly, 120 rides one month, and he rode 20 winners. So that's the calibre rider that Brad was when he was riding a great horse called Corral Boy for, for Bob Milligan and a few other horses that he won a lot of races on. So those 
times and memories are just they get etched in your memory and they're they're good to reflect on. We're chatting with Rob Tweedy this morning, who uh, is the CEO. Can I call you the CEO? Is that the title? Yeah, you can, yeah, you can call me the CEO. You can call me whatever you want. You CEO look after of the, the place here. Sapphire Coast Turf Club. So you you jump into the deep end and start running this racetrack after a very uh, interesting career uh, and life, and, and I'm presuming along the way while we're talking work, you've you've laid some uh, you know foundations on the south coast with family. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, got uh, my two girls who are both grown up now. They're um, based down here. My mother's still here. She's at Chura Beach, just round the corner from the track, so she'll get out and give me a hand to wash the saddlecloths. And um, as a CEO in a country club, it's not it's not sit down and uh, plan out and, and do the accounts and do a bit of this and that. You you got to be engaged in the community. You got to be able to get out on the track if the boys are, are running short and jump on a mower. You got to have your head around the irrigation system. Um, and I think some of the early work days by me, especially being a motor mechanic, and that you can you can analyse a few things and get in help if you have to because the race meetings have got to go ahead, but the the things that happen behind the scenes are massive, and if you've got your head around all of them, well, it's it's a good asset. What's some of the little doozies you faced before some big meetings in the past? Oh, a couple of probably two years ago now, we had a um, we pumped water up from Panuka Dam into our holding tanks in the centre to, to get our irrigation. Irrigation's number one. Um, you've got to irrigate the track, obviously, especially before a big meeting when you've got a bit of weather coming up so the pipe that's laid under the track and we've got an elevated track as you know here with cambered corners um only about two meters outside the track but about 10 meters underground that the pipe decided to give way and bust up out of the side of the track about two weeks out from one of our major meetings so you get a few things like that that come up and you just got to deal with them we just had to sort of terminate that get some dozers in and lay another pipe under a, a drainage pipe under the track and sort of, yeah, things like that that sort of you just got to act on and you've got to work. And if that means you're here, you know, 16 or 18 hours a day to get things done, just get in and get them done. There's no guard over at 5 o'clock. And there been a few things like that. Um, obviously, the odd wallaby that we, we've got a three-kilometre fence around here, but you'll, you'll have no wallabies in. And then on race morning, there'll be a wallaby just sitting in the middle of the track one day. So you've got to sort of catch and... We'll try and try and get him out of the track, and um, yeah, there's there's all sorts of different things that the challenges on the on the race day or the day before, and there probably a few others, but yeah, something if it happens, if it's going to happen, it'll happen on race day yeah. or the day before. Seems to happen. And the other thing too about uh, race tracks, and you would have learnt this early doors when you first started, Rob, is that uh, obviously it's like any sporting club or any, especially country. Uh, sporting club or or organisation, um, it's not only a, a club for the area, but it's be it's a club with multiple personalities, multiple people, uh, and a lot of those people have been involved for a long, long time. So you, as a, a new person coming in, like any situation, uh, obviously you know there would have been some battles there, um, and no doubt you know you, you would have had to prove your worth. Oh, look, a hundred percent. Look in these country areas, like this track's been here for. 23 years, 22 or 23 years, probably 25, 26 when they started building the track as a, a new facility and and the old track at Bega and the old track down at Pambula were closed down because they both flooded and 
safety concerns with tight turning tracks and and new tracks being built. But uh, in these country areas, there's a certain people in certain towns that have put a lifetime into those facilities, and they sometimes don't like it. You know, so yeah, they say, well, you know, the track should still be in Bega, and we should have another one at Pambilla, and so you deal with a lot of personalities and a lot of old time members of the tracks that um, that you've got to negotiate on the way. That one thing I've found consoling over the time I've been here is some of those old hardhead farmers from around the district have have come in and said, you know, Rob, we we love what you're doing here. We love what you've done here, and we were we were never in favour of the track moving, but we we understand why it's done, and and they give you a pat on the back, and they know you've you've got a genuine interest in the track and, and uh, they see that over time and, and that's how you you prove your worth. You know, you just put in the effort and, and make things happen. Why was that location picked? Um, well, Ray Lane, who was a, a president here for many years, just flew over the area. They chartered a, a light aircraft and they just looked and looked for a, a venue that was basically in between the two tracks because they were combining two tracks and um, an area that could potentially be purchased and and a track could be built in. And they had superb vision because it's a, a great facility. It is a bit out of town, but it is in between the bigger towns of Marimbula and Bega, nearly halfway, you know, 15 minutes from each town. And uh, it just seemed like a, a logical place. It's on a main road here and... Uh, close proximity to the beach and Tartra. So uh, one thing we do well here is we promote it in the local area and we get big crowds here, as you know, for the Bega Cup. And even if we come to the depths of winter where, you, where you'd think, oh, well, in a, a Sunday in July when we run the Eden Cup, you probably wouldn't get much of a crowd. I mean, I attend a lot of other country meetings and it's hard to draw a crowd. And, and we still get, you know, five and six and seven hundred here on a the depths of winter, you know. So, um, yeah, it, it's been a, a great facility in it for the area. There's not a hell of a lot to do in rural areas. Now, our Bega Valley Shire patrons take it on and, and support the club. So, in hindsight, it was a great spot to choose. And when you come in here, people can't believe it. They're driving through the through the bush. You seem like you're in the middle of nowhere. And then you've got a track that you could run the Golden Slipper on or the... Or the Derby on, I mean, and I don't say that half-heartedly. It's 2,000 metres in circumference. It's it's 28 metres wide, and every rider and every trainer that comes here says, um, you know, one of the better better tracks in the state. It's a great facility. We're chatting with Rob Tweedy this morning on Monday's Experts. Uh, Rob, what about some of the great things you've seen there at uh, the Sapphire Coast Turf Club? Well, some of the great things I've seen is when I first started here, we had five or six meetings. We're now up to 12. Um, we've got the Bega Cup two-day carnival and we're racing for $80,000 in the cup alone and and over half a million dollars over two days. And if, if you said that to me 11 years ago when I started, when we were the prize money was sort of fairly low and the Bega Cup was worth about $30,000, you know, to, to think in such a short period of time, racing's grown so much where... If you you get involved and you've got a horse and you win a race, you you pay your way. You know, I know other costs associated costs with training and everything else have gone up, but in comparison, racing New South Wales have just done a sensational job in in boosting this money. 
and putting money into facilities. Um, they supported us with a new irrigation system, um, stables for visiting trainers. Uh, we're about to embark on building some more stables here, hopefully to uh, lure a, a larger scale permanent trainer in on course here because we have got a great facility and a great area to train horses uh, with the, the grass track and the sand. So um, just massive changes overall in the industry and the support we get, considering we are a long way from everywhere. Um, but people support the track because they know it's a great facility and also gives the opportunity at this carnival for people to catch up and, and get into the Calcutta and um, the, even the riders. A lot of them stay on for the Monday and they'll bring a paddleboard down and paddle around the lake and just catch up with a few mates and go out for dinner and a bit of a sort of R&R. We know how busy it is racing. It's seven days a week and the chance to sort of unwind and relax down here at the Sapphire Coast. Once they come once, they, they definitely come back. They certainly do. Uh, we're chatting with uh, Rob Tweedy. Righto, Rob, this weekend, for those that are wondering, like I'd like to go to uh, the races, how can they do so, mate? Look, we sell the gate, uh, the tickets straight at the front gate. Gates open at 12 o'clock, so you just lob up at the gates and, and come straight on in. Uh, we, we run three buses uh, from Bega, Tarthra, as far south as Eden into Marimbula, Chura Beach and onto the course. All the details are on the front page of our website. So if they just Google Sapphire Coast Turf Club, all the information is there on the first page. If they can't find it... Or, any information or, or they've got any questions or they haven't got internet access, just get in contact with me. Um, they'll find me. I've only got a ring race in New South Wales or or if they've got access to the internet, just Google Sapphire Coast Turf Club, ring the first number that comes up and we're happy to answer any questions. Um, obviously, we've got the races on the Saturday. We'll have a, I think we've got nine bookmakers here and the TAB operating. I'll be able to bet on the metros as well and and we've got the big Calcutta in it, um, Marimbula, where you'll be um, our special guest, along with um, along with Kayla Nisbet, who's our ambassador for the meeting. Um, Millie Boyle, a great footballer, is going to make an appearance. She's uh, she's starting off a, a, a charity, and uh, Barb Joseph's going to auction a horse and donate the proceeds to to Millie's charity. So it's going to be a, a great night, and then the the big day on Sunday. Um, anyone that's staying in it. The Bega or Tartar areas too. We've got a bit of a golf day in at Bega and a, a smaller Calcutta on the Friday night. So it's all on the website. they just got to have a look there or give me a ring. Yeah, perfect. I, I, this carnival just keeps building, doesn't it? It certainly does. And that's what we envisaged. We just, um, I looked at some of the carnivals like Wagga, which I've attended on many occasions myself, and I thought, what's Wagga got to offer over there that lures so many people over there and they've got golf, great golf courses, they've got a great community over there and they've got a very big city to draw on people but I know a lot of people come from out of town too so I thought I'll line myself up with Wagga and then see, see what we've got to offer as well. We've got a great racetrack, the same as Wagga. We've got great golf courses, the same as Wagga but we've also got the ocean and the fishing and, and the restaurants which Wagga's obviously got as well and I thought well, if you if you want to go to Wagga and they get a massive amount of people, I'll target sort of that area to draw on a crowd. And Jason over there has been a, a great help for me. He puts out some of our promotional gear over there at Wagga and we're finding we've got a lot of Riverina people that will come over here for the weekend. It's the closest coastal town. 
they can also bring the fishing rods, bring the surfboard, and have a great time over here. And um, so we're really getting a bit of a cult following. And there's no reason each year. Everyone that says to me, Dave, and you know, um, when we talk after the weekend, everyone says, I'm going to get a few mates together and I'm going to come back next year and it's going to be bigger and, and we're fine. And it'll keep growing. I'm sure it will. I think it will too, mate. Uh, it's a lovely part of New South Wales. It uh, is a place that I went, what, oh, two, three years ago for the first time. And, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, it's, a, it's a great place to get away. In fact, that's the one thing I will say is obviously I'm heading there this weekend, the Sapphire Coast, so obviously I'm I'm talking about it. But you would know this, Robin. You even said that, mate, from, from going to a lot of country cups and a lot of provincial tracks as well. Um, yes, we're blessed that we've got Randwick, Rose Hill, Warwick Farm, Canterbury, Flemington, Eagle Farms, etc. But, geez, if you get off the beaten track slightly, some of these smaller tracks uh, and some of these uh, smaller towns you can head to with family, friends, partners, uh, the mates, the punters clubs, it is a, a very, very good time you can have. Yeah, I think anyone, Dave, that's uh, planning a holiday that loves their racing, especially people from the city, just get on the Racing New South Wales, Wales website, have a look at the diary. And if you're going to Gundagai, go when the Snake Gully Cup's on. If you're going to Wagga, go when the Wagga Cup's on. If you're going to Balna, go when the Balna Cup's on. Because, and and what you find is the people there, and you've only got to say, look, I'm a, I'm a member in the in the city, and I love my city racing. And people will take you in, they'll show you around, they'll chuck you in the members' area, and they'll look after you because that's what country people do. And that's what we do, and that's why people come back. Yeah. Uh, Rob, I've got to ask too, like at the moment, is this all you're doing, um, being this role at Sapphire Coast, or are you yeah. got multiple hats on? No, at, at the moment, this is all I'm doing, apart from sort of spending a fair bit of time out catching snapper. I do a bit of surfing still. I've got a paddleboard I get up the lake with. and um, How, is, how ice, is the so. fishing? How is the fishing down there? The fishing's sensational. I'll... Um, I'll bung a bit of a photo up on your um, your Twitter yep. page. I'll send you a photo, bung it up. I'll show you a couple of the snapper I've caught recently, and that'll get the guys that are keen on racing, keen on fishing, to hook the boat up and come down for a, a week while the bigger Cup Carnival's on. I'll tell you what, what, what are we talking? What size snapper? Oh, we get a lot of fish down here around the sort of three, four kilo mark, just a good plate-sized snapper. Wow. Um, and they're... There's a fair few around if you know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, I'll uh, you bring your boat down. I'll jump in with you. And oh, outstanding. I like it. Uh, mate, before I let you go, and you probably heard me say this uh, to a fair few people, in fact, everyone on this uh, particular segment, uh, what would you say to a young 18-year-old Rob Tweedy? What advice would you give him if he was standing in front of you? I'd just... Give them the same advice that I gave myself when I finished my mechanics apprenticeship. I didn't particularly like working under cars or in a pit changing oil. Um, and I said to myself when I was 19, when I finished my time, I mean, if you start something, finish it. That's probably the, the number one. And the next thing is just chase your passion and do what you love doing. Get up each day. If you're getting up each day and going to work and not enjoying going, go and do something else. Do mm. something that you're passionate about. And you've certainly done that, mate, with all your career in multiple hats in racing. And as I said, uh, you're very much looking forward to a big weekend down there at the Sapphire Coast Turf Club. So if you wanted to get down there for the Bega Cup, you can head to the website, as Rob said. All the information is on there. A big Saturday night, Calcutta, of course, at the uh, Club Sapphire. They've done the TAB up there, haven't they? 
They've, yeah, they've just done the TAB up there. They've put a big screen. Um, look, we've got some great sponsors down here, all the clubs, whether you're staying at Tartha, the Tartha Bolo, Tartha Country Club, Marimbula RSL, Club Bega and Club Sapphire. All our great sponsors that support us on Clubs Day have all got sensational facilities, top pub, Pambula, all the pubs and clubs. You'll get in there and you'll, you'll watch the races, get here early, get a bit of ammo on Friday and then get out on the weekend and and have a, have a great weekend out. Have, have I got that punting table set up there in the uh, bookies ring? We, we've got that there for you. It's all good. Fantastic. I remember the when I first came down, uh, punters, and went to the Sapphire Coast, and I've, I've done this as well uh, up at Grafton with Mike Beattie and, and others. Uh, when, when they arrived, Mike sort of said, oh, look, I've, I can set a table up for you, or even Rob said, I can set a table up for you in the... The members area, I um, mean, you know, in the in the peace and quiet. And I said, no, 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 no. Let's set a table right in the bookies ring, right in the thick of it, with everyone running around and the noise and the excitement. And there's no better place. And it's a good little ring you've got there. I mean, look, obviously you've got the tab facilities, but you've got some good local bookmakers that have supported that club. And I'm sure they're the first to complain about something, Rob, knowing country bookies. But they all turn up and they all want to, uh, you know, make the day a little bit better. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we've got some great local bookmakers, and and they do can have a bit of a whinge time to time. <laughs> they things, can. Mate, that John Patton, um, fair dinkum, he never stops. <laughs> but they're all, you know, obviously that's their living, and um, and things don't always go as planned with with weather and things you can't control, But um, and obviously placements of stands where we do draws that are favourable to one end of a betting ring. That's how you can, you can understand they've all got genuine gripes but we've got to deal with um we've got to deal with many things as a race club CEO and any of the other CEOs out there will know that especially um Mike Beattie who you just mentioned's been in the game for a long time. I mean there's only one winner in each race and everyone else is a bit disappointed so but at the end of the day they they appreciate you um 100%. taking everything on board and doing your best. Who's the worst? Who's the worst for the free tickets? Not from the bookies but from from someone ringing up that you haven't heard from for a while. Do you, do you get those calls a lot, Tov? Have you got any spare tickets to to go along to any functions, etc.? No, you get, yeah, I won't be mentioning any names. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, you get, a, you get a fair few of them. But at the end of the day, look, we've got a, we a regime we work by. Any of our sponsors get allocated a certain amount of tickets. If there are a few short to get in on the day, we sling them. We, we support our sponsors and we don't... Um, we believe we give good value, so um, someone's stuck for a few t- tickets or there's been a bad weather event or they couldn't attend for certain reasons, we we just look after them. But you do get the odd bloke that says, oh, look, I went to the races at uh, Ramwick about six years ago and wonder if you've got any free tickets because I'm a race supporter and out of the blue and um, they can pay the 15 at the gate. Now, um, having a look at the nominations for Saturday... Uh, what have we got? A hundred and uh, what? A hundred and one? Or no? A hundred nominations through for the Saturday. So Robbie Lavie's work cut out, uh, uh, dissecting the form there, and then also uh, having a look at Sunday. We don't have those noms out. They'll close tomorrow, won't they? At eleven o'clock. Yeah. So fractions in the team, they'll be able to go through uh, that big, bigger showcase meeting. Yeah. Look, the um, Saturday we're more than happy with the nominations so far. There's a couple of races extended, so trainers can have a look there. We put a new race on, a 66-14, with just sort of those horses that probably wouldn't get into the cup, a tier under, 
and, and possibly don't get the mile. And that's um, we've got 16 noms in that. Quite a nice field in that. And I can say um, in in the background that we've got 21 nominations for the cup at this stage and. Um, a couple of um, sneaky Sydney trains. Obviously, this is a big dance qualifier that have um, nominated there. Um, so I can say early that we've got a, a, a bit of interest there from up the city and looks like being a very um, very nice cup race this year. Can you give us any hints? Who's who's coming? Oh, look, John, John O'Shea's nominated a horse. Okay. Um, Matty Smith's nominated a horse. Yep. And then we've got our provincial trainers as well, um, Tara and Philippe Vigoro. Um Nominated a horse, and then we've got our, our regulars, Teresa Bate up and Barb, Paul Murray. Barb and, and the boys. Barb and the boys. They've got three noms at this stage. Barb would love to win this. What a story. I mean, she's already won three bigger cups in a row, so she'll be doing backflips in that pool if she um, wins another cup. And, and look, their horse has been going sensational, so um, there's no reason she couldn't win another cup. Exactly right, mate. I think, uh, you know, it's going to be great to see what those fields look like when it comes on uh, Sunday. But uh, those noms are through on Saturday. 100 nominations for the Saturday meeting and obviously a lot of country boosted on the on the program as well. So great stuff, mate. It's been wonderful to hear about your life uh, and obviously all the, as I said, the different hats you've worn when it comes to racing. It's quite a little story you've got and looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Sounds good, Dave. Looking forward to seeing you. And when you've got a bit of a holiday at some time, we'll get you down. We might spend three or four days out on a long line boat, about 50 or 60 miles out off Eden, and um, see how you go baiting up for some tuna. Oh, now that would be fun. I don't think I'd be going, I don't think I'd be too good, but it would be fun. I tell you what, that, uh, that, all that sort of deep stuff is uh, well and truly on the bucket list, mate. So send through that photo too, because I know I've got a lot of people that listen who are mad fishermen, and I'm sure they'd love to, to get down the south coast, mate. Good to talk to you. I'll do that right now. Thanks, Dave. See you, mate. Cheers, Bye. mate. Actually, are you there still there, Rob? Yeah, mate. Yep. I've got a text here. Any any Victorian trainers coming up? Any Richard Lammings, et cetera? Uh, Richie, obviously, um, used to support us in a big way with a yeah. lot of horses. And he's opened a stable up in Queensland now. And I believe he's, he's based up there and he still operates a stable down in Victoria. So we don't see Richie as much as we would like well, they to. They just come and they just win, these horses. They do. Look, he, he obviously set them here. He had a fair few owners around the town here, a couple of local restaurateurs and business people had horses yeah. with Richie, so he made it a bit of a an annual pilgrimage here and a bit of a party weekend with a few of his mates. And he, he always brings someone up. He's always a lot of interest, Richie, because he brought up uh, Jimmy Cassidy one time. He, he he brought along with him Danny Nicolick at one stage Humper. just as a mate to come to the races. And yeah. So a few, a few characters he brought up. Um, over the years, which is good. Greg Hall attended, and um, yeah, so well, they made those it. three people you've t- said they all uh, love a drink, they, they all do. like a good time. <laughs> we, we didn't want the three of them here together. Um, now, wouldn't that, wouldn't that but be a luncheon? Wouldn't that be a great, great weekend away? And we still remain in contact, especially Greg Hall. I, I remain in contact with Greg, or a yep. champion bloke, and I, I didn't know Greg, you know, obviously followed him my whole life, but. What a champion bloke that's retired and still has a time for a, a chat and just a, a good mate, you know. So so that's the friendships you build through racing as well. And um, But at this stage, looking at it, we've got um, Dan McCarthy bringing over a few nice horses yep. from uh, Wangaratta down there. So Dan's got about half a dozen nominated. 
Um, you'd have Matt Dale. You'd have a couple of yeah, all from those Golden. Blokes. Yeah, all those blokes that come. It's just that the Victorians, there's no um, no one else of, of note that I can see in here just off the cuff other than Dan McCarthy bringing a team across. And uh, there might possibly be a, a couple of um, smaller trainers bringing a couple up. I think I saw um, Jackson Palais from down at Bansdale who's a good supporter of the club. So we quite often get a few Bansdale and Sale trainers popping up over the border trying to pinch a bit of New South Wales money. Um, but no um, no city trainers from down there. But as I said, the norms don't close till tomorrow. So yeah. with this race being a, a big dance qualifier, we might find a few more horses sneaking in before 11am tomorrow. Exactly right. No, I'm looking forward to it, mate. Thanks so much, Rob. Have a great day. Thanks for being a part of Monday's Experts. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Cheers.